0: Welcome to the Outboys Church Podcast. This is a message from our recent Sunday gathering, and we hope it builds you up in your faith and encourages you. Enjoy. enjoy. She's got a Bible handy. I encourage you to open to Acts chapter 8 Acts. Chapter 8, and we're going to be kicking off in verse 25. Acts, chapter 8, starting from verse 25. So, there were 60 people who were baptised at Semaphore Beach yesterday. 60 people baptised here at Semaphore Beach yesterday. There was a few of us that went down to an event being held. Anyone here ever been to an Ignite event before? Um, so, Ignite, we're partnering with a group called The Harvest, and they're in Brisbane today, from what I understand. And Rob was showing me a video before of a whole bunch of people, bunch of people being baptized in Brisbane as well. Um, but yeah, there was a, a worship event last night and an opportunity to respond to the gospel, uh, which many responded to, and 60 people. Uh, We're baptised at the beach at Semaphore. And um, yeah, praise God for what he is doing in our midst here at this time in this city. And we're so excited to see more and more of that. Um, We're having a look today at a passage that is a part of our history, a part of our shared history as Christians. This is really early on um, in Acts chapter 8. Um, the early church and some things that took place and we are going to read a story of a baptism it does come fairly hot on the heels of a day when 3,000 people were baptised all at once that's a lot of people but for perspective's sake every single day there are more than 3,000 people that get baptised around the world every single day globally there are that many people that are coming into the family of faith daily. And it's good stuff. And so this story uh, today is of an Ethiopian man and a guy called Philip. And basically, you feel free to read along. I'm going to give you my paraphrase uh, of what, what takes place. An angel of the Lord speaks to Philip and tells him to get up and go south to the road between Gaza, between Jerusalem that goes down to Gaza, also known as the Desert Road. And so Philip gets up and he goes. And there's an Ethiopian man who has just been to Jerusalem and he's on his way back home. And this guy is a high official. In fact, he has charge of the entire treasury of the Queen of the Ethiopians. And he has gone to worship God in Jerusalem. As I've just said, he's on his way home um, and the Holy Spirit tells Philip to go and join the chariot. And so Philip goes running up and he hears the Ethiopian man reading from the prophet Isaiah out loud. And he asks him, do you understand what you're reading? And he responds, how can I unless someone guides me? And then he invites Philip up into the chariot And he's reading this particular passage which says, you know, like a lamb led to the slaughter, uh, like a lamb before its shearer is silent, he didn't open his mouth, justice was denied him, who can speak of his descendants because he's taken from the, the earth. And then he asks Philip, who is the prophet speaking about, himself or someone else? To which he articulates the good news of Jesus. So Philip, starting with that verse, tells him all about Jesus, what he's done and what that means for this man. And as they're traveling along, they come across some water and the Ethiopian man says, Here is water. What would prevent me from being baptized? And he orders the chariot to stop. They get down into the water and Philip baptizes him. And then as they come up out of the water, the Holy Spirit takes Philip away and the Ethiopian man doesn't see him again but he goes on his way rejoicing. Philip appears in Azotus and then he's preaching the gospel in all the towns until he gets to Caesarea. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. It starts with Philip being directed by an angel. It's pretty cool. We hear a fair bit as we read through the book of Acts of angels guiding people. And I like to, I just want to take a minute to think about this story from the perspective of Philip. So we hear about Philip first as one of the seven that are chosen in order to help with the distribution of food. And it was said that they need to be people who. Um, that were full of wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit. And so he's one of those. And then we get a bit more detail in him, about him after Stephen is the first Christian martyr. So when Stephen is killed, then a whole bunch of them scatter. But they don't scatter in order to hide. We hear about them preaching the gospel wherever they go. And so Philip is one of those. And he goes into Samaria... Uh, and he's preaching the gospel there. And si- signs and wonders accompany what he's doing. And it's pretty exciting stuff. Uh, and then there's a whole bunch of people that come to faith in Samaria. And that was a bit of a stretch for a lot of people. Like, what? The Samaritans are now followers of the way? Um, so he's had a lot of good fruit that's just happened. And then we hear that an angel directs him to go to this random spot, to this desert road. And he obeys straight away. And then the Holy Spirit tells him, go up to that chariot. And not only does he obey straight away, but he runs. Runs up to the chariot. And I like to picture him running alongside the chariot. I don't know how accurate this is, but it's kind of fun just to imagine. He's just like, do you understand what you're reading? How can I unless someone explains it to me? Do you want to come join me in the chariot? Yes. (laughs) I'm done running. It is time to join you in the chariot. But to have an angel tell him where he used to go, the Holy Spirit back it up with being specific, that's the chariot, go join that chariot. But it's a beautiful thing that we only find out about this divine guidance after he's already been obedient In earlier things, he was obedient in answering the call to serve by waiting on tables and organising the distribution of food. He was obedient that even under the threat of death, a good friend of his has just been killed because he was a Christian. He goes out, and in his going out, he continues to tell people about Jesus. Jesus had given very clear instructions that they were to make disciples of all nations. And he is actively doing that. So, as someone who has a bit of a track record of actually obeying what God says, God gives him quite specific instructions. And then he gets to be a part of this Ethiopian man's journey and actually gets to lead him to Christ. But it's a very definite part of his life. You know, he's there for that chariot ride, and that's it. He's taken away, never to see him again. But what a privilege for him to be a part of this guy coming to faith. But then, from the perspective of the Ethiopian, this Ethiopian man is not a Jew by birth. He is a God-fearer. He is someone who wanted to worship God, but was not a full Jew. So he's gone to Jerusalem He's made the pilgrimage a long way in order to worship god then on his way home he's still reading from the book of isaiah the scroll of the prophet isaiah and again that scene of philip running catches my attention he's there reading from the scroll of the prophet isaiah and then all of a sudden as he's driving along in his chariot there's a guy who's running next to him. (laughs) As he's reading the prophet Isaiah out loud, he's like, do you understand what you're reading? How can I? Unless someone explains it to me. It's a kind of a comical scene in my mind. How random. You're reading something and you've got someone right there who's like, do you understand what you're reading? Actually, it would be really helpful to have you come up here and to give me some insight into this. And so he does to the point where the next time he disembarks his chariot, it's to be baptized. That's some significant intervention in his life. He possibly left Jerusalem feeling like he didn't get what he wanted. We'll never know for sure, but he certainly got what he was after soon afterwards, didn't he? And then I find it interesting to think of this story from the perspective of God. God the Father has two of his kids that he absolutely loves. And one of them has been obedient in these different ways and he's like, I reckon I can tell Philip to do something and he's going to do it. And he's got the Ethiopian who is striving to meet God to know God, to worship God, going out of his way and doing everything that he knows to do. Go to the temple in Jerusalem and worship. He's done that. But he still doesn't have revelation of who Jesus is. And so the father, as a good, good father, sees this and is like, I've got an idea. I reckon what I might do is get Philip to go and have a chat with him And lead him to me. It's interesting as we read through the scriptures, and I mentioned that there's a whole bunch of different angelic encounters that we read about in the book of Acts. And in this case, you think it would have been way quicker and way more guaranteed to work to have the angel just rock up and have a chat to the Ethiopian. Yeah, He's like riding along on his chariot, And then that's a very different double take. Like it's one thing to have someone running alongside the chariot. It's another thing to have an angel just right there. Both cool, I know, but the angel perhaps next level. But the angel instead speaks to Philip. And it's Philip that then articulates the gospel. And then the man comes to faith in Jesus. And we see a similar one. Yet in a different order with this guy called Cornelius. So, an angel appears to Cornelius. So, Cornelius is the seeker. An angel appears to him, but the angel doesn't tell him the good news about Jesus. Peter says, Go and get Peter, and Peter will tell you the good news. It's like, Well, angel, you're just here. Like, why don't you tell it to me? No, no, go and get Peter, and he will tell you the good news. It is interesting how God chooses to work through people. He does it so consistently. He doesn't just bypass us. He works in and through us. One of the highlights of my past week was Zipporah's birthday. So Zipporah just turned 11. And I love the generosity of my kids. It is a wonderful thing to be able to give gifts to my kids And my kids are very aware that there is one really good gift-giving parent uh, in our family. uh, And it's not me. Uh, It is Christy who is just onto it, selecting good gifts and and getting it done. Um, And so as someone who's not really onto it when it comes to giving gifts, I am so impressed with my kids uh, and the sacrificial and generous and creative ways that they give to one another. Like Hudson didn't match it with Esther and Charlotte for how much he spent on the gift, which is fair enough because they both have jobs and he doesn't. But it was like two months allowance that he spent on on his sister's present. And you're like, that's amazing. And that I love so much more than being able to give um, Zipporah something amazing is to see my other kids give her something amazing. And I think that just gives something of the heart of God. He loves to give good gifts to his kids, but he loves it even more if he's got other kids involved in that gift giving. We are created to be a blessing to one another. And it is true for those that are already in the faith, but it is true for those who are not yet. And Nick mentioned people of peace. We've had a bit of a focus on people of peace for a little while and we're going to continue to have a focus on people of peace. And this particular story I think is really helpful in that space. I think you would say that the Ethiopian man was a person of peace even though perhaps he didn't meet the definition that we've been putting out for a while. I don't think the Ethiopian man actually... Oh, no, he did. He invited Philip up into the chariot. There you go. You can stop running. You can come and join me. Take a seat uh, in the chariot. So he did, he did serve him. Uh, but he definitely listened to him as well, didn't he? Philip preaches the gospel to this man. The reason he preached the gospel to him is because he had an open door of invitation. Come up into the chariot. I need someone to guide me. So it's quite likely that Philip did more of the talking than the Ethiopian man over the course of their time together. A lot of the time, in encounters with people, we'll do more of the question asking, give the opportunity to share. But if you've got someone who wants to know, tell them the gospel. You know, we're not to shove it down people's throats. We're not to Bible bash but we are to find out if someone's interested and to share enough that there can be an opportunity for them to respond and to seek more. And There will be times that you go, okay, you're not interested in hearing this now. That's okay. We can move on, talk about something else or talk to someone else. But this is a person of peace who's shown interest. He's reading from the, gospel, from the um, book of Isaiah, And it is amazing what he's reading. It is clearly talking about Jesus. And I love it that for Philip, he was obviously aware of this passage. So he knew the scriptures. He was obviously confident to understand it enough to be able to explain to someone else. And there's a good challenge in there for us in that space as well. That we would be people who seek to receive from what we have already been given. Sometimes we can err on the side of, I just want an angel to appear to me. I just want the Holy Spirit to speak to me with an audible voice when we're not actually picking up the scriptures and reading them. We want to be a people who do both. And we have greater confidence that what God speaks is actually his voice because we're also familiar with the scriptures and we see whether it lines up or not. But I love that both the spirit and the word are so evident in this particular story. It is through the scriptures that God is speaking to this Ethiopian man. And it is the scriptures that Philip uses to unpack and, and go through. I want to just take a moment um, and have a look at three potential blockers for us from being able to live this kind of life and the first one is in this area of God speaking to us so if you remember from last week and it's it's not a new concept but does anyone recall the two most important discipling questions Two most important discipling questions: What is God saying? What are you going to do? What are you going to do about it? What is God saying, and what are you going to do about it? What are the two most important discipling questions? Amen. So God speaking is a significant part of this. A blocker that can stop us from living the life that we're intended to live, where we see. We saw 60 baptisms last night. We want to see that over and over and over again. We don't just want to see it an hour away. We want to see it here. We want to see this region transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Father looks down upon the earth and he sees his kids. He loves his kids so much more than I love mine. He has the ultimate Father's heart. And he wants to see everybody restored to him because he knows he has the ultimate gift for every single person. And he chooses to work through people. Who's he going to work through? Hopefully us. So blocker one is to not hear him. And we can doubt that he would still speak today. And I want to put hearing his voice, I want to put both reading the Bible and having those promptings, the audible voice, the words through others in that category. And so I want you to have a think for you. Is there a blocker for you at the moment in hearing God's voice? Are you able to clearly and regularly hear what he's saying to you? We might need a new battery for this one, I reckon, Hudson. Are you able to hear his voice? It could be a motivation issue when it comes to the scriptures. It could be an issue with understanding it. It could be an issue with questioning it and just struggling. Like, I don't know if this is reliable. Is there a blocker in that sense? Is there a blocker of, I don't think he still speaks today in that kind of a way. Or I don't think he would speak to me in that way. Or I've never actually heard him. Is there a blocker in that space? Because the testimony here is that an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip and gave him very specific instructions. Then the Holy Spirit backed it up by giving him more specific instructions then the Holy Spirit picks him up and moves him to a different location. And we're not quite sure what to do with that. It's pretty cool though. Suddenly he was in, he appeared in Azotus. Just appeared. Philip. (laughs) (laughs) Blocker one, hearing his voice. Any guesses on what blocker two might be? What's the second most important discipleship question? Yeah, obedience. There's this phrase in in Acts talking about a bunch of priests becoming followers of Jesus. And it says they became obedient to the faith. That's the phrase obedient to the faith. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What does it mean to be a Christian? It is being obedient to the faith. Actually putting it into practice. Not just being aware of what God says, but doing it. Does anyone here have an obedience problem? Does anyone know what they need to do and is struggling to actually do it? I thank you for those four honest people. There's a blocker around hearing God There is another blocker around obeying him. And the third one is quite specific to the people of peace. And It's a blocker that I'm reflecting on my life and going, hmm, this is definitely true of me, as the previous two are as well. It is definitely true of me that there is doubt around believing that others really want Jesus. I look at my life and I compare my first two years teaching next door at McLaren Vale Primary, and I compare it to the last three years between there and McLaren Flat, I prayed for a lot of teachers, as in, can I pray for you, uh, in those first couple of years. And I've barely done it over the last three. And there has been a, a shift in how much I've shared um, and then often, you know, stepping out in different ways. Um And it was only today that I was reflecting on that again. And I want there to be a different story in that space. And so whether it is something that you have done in the past or that you've never really done in the past, either way, if it's like, I actually don't have confidence at the moment that people are going to want Jesus, want to hear the good news about him, then that's the blocker that I'm talking about. To hear his voice, to put it into practice and believe that others want it we're told that the harvest is plentiful that's true the harvest is plentiful there are so many who are just wanting to be loved and we are loved more than we could ever understand or imagine or comprehend that is the reality he loves his kids and he's calling us to himself so out of those three I want to encourage you to stand for the one that is grabbing you at the moment. Hearing his voice, putting it into practice, believing that others really want to hear it. So would you stand if the thing that's grabbing you the most is hearing his voice as a blocker, struggling to hear his voice at the moment. I just want to pray a simple prayer over everyone that's standing. And would you stretch out your hand, those that are not standing, would you stretch out your hand towards these guys and just posture yourself to receive. Father, I thank you for the way that you spoke to Philip. I thank you for the way that you have spoken to so many people throughout history. Thank you for the reality that you, Lord Jesus, are the good shepherd and your sheep know your voice. And I pray a freedom over these, my brothers and sisters who are standing right now. A freedom to hear your voice. I stand against whatever would block that. I pray, Lord, for such beautiful motivation and comprehension and delight in your word. I pray for such freedom to hear you through others. To hear your prompting that still, small voice thank you, Jesus, that you are speaking, and I pray that it would get through. In Jesus' name, and all the people said, amen. Thank you, guys. You can take a seat. Obedience. Who's like, I just got to do this. So in Philippians, there's a passage that says, "Let only let us live up to what we have already attained. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. In other words, the things that we've understood, let's do them. Let's put it into practice. So let's, let's pray. Father, thank you for my brothers and sisters. Thank you that you have given us good commands. Thank you that it is for our benefit that we follow you that we do what you say. I pray, Lord, for a grace to see things more clearly, to see your instructions, uh, the life that you give through your word to each of us. And I pray for that freedom to obey. I pray that we would tremble at your word, that we would also delight in your word, that we would... um, yeah, understand that the boundaries that you have placed around us—they've fallen in pleasant places. It is for our good that we follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. And the last one: believing that others want to hear it. And so, out of the three, this is this is the one for me. But all of them are definitely true. Oh, let's let's pray into this to stand with my brothers and sisters right now and ask lord for your grace upon us to open our eyes to see the reality afresh for ourselves of the goodness of your gospel the goodness of the good news that we would delight in your mercy to us and that we would understand how good this good news is for others i pray for a freedom Lord, to be able to share without fear. I pray for a freedom to be able to share in hope, in expectation that people will respond. Lord, help us to see the reality that you are what they need. Come, Holy Spirit, and lead us in this. We stand against whatever would get in our way, whatever deception would stop us from understanding that you are what is needed most, that you are gracious, you are kind, you are good, and you have good things in store. Hallelujah. And amen. God bless you.